does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Six and five entering the month of December. Imagine saying that at the start of the season for these 2023 Indianapolis Colts. Uh, We are back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I am Kevin Bowen and out of the bullpen. Maybe Craig Council has called. Ooh, I like that. To the bullpen to bring out Mark Dykton. You hear him on our morning show, The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Each and every morning, Mark with us here as Eddie Garrison enjoys a little time off. Mark, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Whoa, happy to you, too. The chair just broke almost over here. I thought you got so excited that you just jumped out and ate <laughs> I the got com- I got compared to Craig Council, and I got very excited. <laughs> Mark, a big-time Cubs fan, uh, in case you didn't know. So uh, that was the reason for the Craig Council uh, nod there. Um, a lot to get to on today's pod recapping Colts and Buccaneers 27-20. The final score there, and again, 6-5, and five, and as you enter Week 13, you've got the final spot in the playoff picture here in the AFC. Um, as always, we'll get to what I liked, what I didn't like on today's pop. But, Mark, let's just kind of begin overall. Um, you know, so much of this to me just boils down to, imagine saying at the start of the year, 6-5 and five into December. You know, has it been a murderer's row of a schedule? No. Are you playing great, great football right now? I'd probably say no. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of NFL teams out there that don't beat bad teams and that aren't 6-5 and five, even with a favorable schedule. And the Colts have had a lot, you know, honestly go against them this season and having to play multiple quarterbacks and the Jonathan Taylor situation and the O-line play, or I should say the O-line availability. So a major credit to Shane Steichen for having his football team above five hundred 
and creating playoff hope. There's so many times where you see mediocre teams through the first couple months of the year, and you're like, well, you know, if they win three or four, if they do something here, they can potentially be in the race. You're almost always going to get the playoff help. Like, there's just enough teams that will help you. But you've got to do your part. And right now, in winning three straight for the first time since December 2021, the Colts have done their part, and that is win three in a row, be six and five, and now you've just concluded the game, probably against the second-best quarterback you'll face the rest of the year. You can play who's only in front of you. That's a P. Ah, who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? Well, they play who's on their schedule. I mean, look at the Chargers. You could probably pick like 10 players off of that team that you'd love to have on the Colts, and they can't get anything going uh, to get a win or anything like that. They just have all this talent, and they can't get a win. So you take what you can get as a Colts fan. Gardner Minshew hasn't been great, but guess what? The team is playing better in spite of him, and they're doing better, and they are in the very real shot of getting into the playoffs uh, with how they're playing so far. And like you said, Baker Mayfield with Joe Burrow out, that was probably it as far as tough quarterbacks. You got – you know, Will Levis coming up and, you know, C.J. Stroud, Jake maybe. Browning. Stroud could be the maybe the That's high, it. the toughest guy yeah. the rest yeah, of the I way. Mean, this so. is the best quarterback you're going to face until C.J. Stroud. So, um, you, again, you are in position to continue to try and create more hope here moving forward. They'll try to do it on the road each of the next two weeks. And there is a level of, I think, and, and now with the Frank Reich firing you know, happening just before we pressed record on this, there probably is a little bit of an element that you're starting to get away from, like, coaches on the hot seat. Like, I don't think Mike Vrabel's that. Uh, Zach Taylor's not that. You know, Mike Tomlin's not that. I, I don't know. Maybe Arthur Smith is. Um, but, you know, the last each, you know, last four weeks – Mark, I would say that, you know, you face coaches that there's been some questions about their job security and obviously Frank Wright getting canned a little bit earlier. Uh, but let's hop in, Mark. What was the first thing that I said that I – What you like? Yeah, what, what did I like? You like the closing. Closing. That was it, yeah. Um, You put a great montage together on our morning show today. Um, well, first off, credit to you for the song, Taking Care of Business. You know That, to me, is another indicator of, again, you kind of play who shows up on your schedule. But secondly, the play by Samson Epicom to close it out. The Colts have had so many games, particularly at home, over the past year that have been sitting on a platter for the defense to slam the door shut. And whether it's Taylor Heineke and the Commanders last year, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, uh, Davis Mills in that season finale against the Texans, or again a month ago, when P.J. Walker still drove about, what, 60 yards on you mm-hmm. until the officiating crept into play there. Um, you, you've had moments, and you haven't been able to close. You haven't been able to finish. And, you know, I, I was thinking back to what happened there. Tampa scores. It's 20-17. to 17. Bernard Ryman gets a holding penalty. Rigoberto Sanchez has a shaky punt. You know, all of a sudden... Tampa takes over at their own 35 with 221 to go, and I'm thinking, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is about to happen. Thought the exact same thing. And Samson Ebukam on a third and four whips an all-pro tackle. I mean, that's not some, you know, backup in there. And I know Tristan Wirfs have been a little banged up, but still. Whips Tristan Wirfs in that moment, and you get the strip, and then Dio Dangbo hops on it for really icing the game. And... You know, closing. Close. I mean, that's that's a defensive lineman's dream. Have a lead. Less than three minutes to go. At that point, you're under the two-minute warning. You know they've got to throw. Time is starting to tick a little bit more. And you're able to make that play. So, I wanted to start off w- w- with that because, 
you know, for the most part, you played with a lead for the bulk of yesterday, the vast majority of yesterday. Um, but there were some leaking oil moments. Could you finish? Could you close it out? And Samson Epicom did that yesterday. I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. Because like you said, I thought that when that holding penalty, that was just a disastrous drive. You're like, oh no, right? Field oh, position no. hadn't been flipped. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Here and, we go again. Yeah, they pulled it off and they got the win, and that's all you can ask for. Chuck Pagano was making out with his wife probably after <laughs> the game. He's so excited. But yeah, a great, great way to stand up and, and get the win out of that game. Uh, what was the next thing that I liked? JT running. Yeah, yeah. I I thought Mark. I thought he looked twenty twenty. One Jonathan Taylor, to be honest with you, you know, 15 for 91, so that's over six yards a pop. But it was just kind of the way he ran, you know, patience when he needed to be patient, really keeping those legs moving, you know, busted a couple that I thought weren't really going anywhere. Um, and you know, with him over six yards a carry, Zach Moss over six yards per carry. I mean, I thought there were questions and questions that should have been asked at times are you too pass happy early on? And this is the debate you kind of get into with Shane Steichen a little bit of, what is he saying? Tampa's going to load the box. So let's pass them out of that loaded box. I, that's, I guess, a dilemma you face all week long, you know, when you're game planning for a, spe- a specific opponent. Do you play to your strengths, or do you try to play to what the other team you think is going to do to you? But again, Taylor and Moss, with a backup center in the game, you're able to run it very, very effectively. Um, and I thought I thought Moss looked pretty spry as well. But I just thought Taylor, 15 for 91, doesn't do it total justice on how good he looked yesterday. Still would like to see him involved a little bit more in the pass game. I don't believe he had a target in the pass game. I think Moss had two catches and that was it there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought Taylor um, was, was really, really good for you. Yeah, I thought he played great. I, I really like the dynamic that both he and Moss have together. I think they're a great one-two punch for opposing defenses. And I feel like, yeah, he's starting to he's starting to feel it now. He missed the first few games, and all of a sudden he's kind of hitting his stride, especially in these critical games that are going to be down the stretch for the Colts. And one thing I'll add too, Mark, is you know Chris Boward said you know, on the Colts official podcast during the bye week, Zach Moss is going to play a little bit more. Like we, I think it was just one carry in Germany for him. Um, he he's going to play more, and you certainly saw that yesterday. Um, you know, ten touches for him, fifteen for Taylor. Um, again, I'm probably more of a 70-30, 80-20 sort of split. And my issue at halftime wasn't necessarily yes, you're getting away from Taylor for the stretch that you did was a little bit head scratching. I thought you also again just kind of got away from the run game. You know, Minshew having 26 pass attempts at halftime to me that was a little bit too rich, and you were playing with fire. I mean. How about the Alec Pierce pass breakup to, you know, uh, keep it from not having two interceptions on back-to-back drives there? But uh, yeah, really nice day for Taylor and Moss, both over six yards a pop. Yeah, uh, post bye week psyche for you was the next thing you liked. Yeah, it, you know this was something we talked about on our show last week. What Colts team would we see? You know, when everybody patted them on the back after Baltimore. It was kind of a clunker against the Rams, particularly mm-hmm. out of the gate at home, when I thought you should have had an advantage over them schedule-wise. I thought the advantage you had entering this one was, yes, you had one two in a row, but you hadn't played well, that well, I should say, in those two wins, and you had the bye week sandwiched in there. Um, that, I think, is what you you know, would have liked to have seen is, you know, again, a little bit of a, hey, yes, you've won two in a row, but you aren't falling in the trap of, Oh, everything's rose petals, and this is a team that's, you know, whatever, destined to 
rattle off six in a row if they keep on playing like they are. Um, so I thought it was important for Shane Steichen and that bunch to um, you know, have a little bit more of a yeah, kind of kick-in-the-ass mindset despite they had one two in a row. And I thought they got off to a pretty nice start. You know, certainly Tampa had a successful first drive. And, boy, I'm you know, you, you know me, I'm such a big believer in game flow. I, I honestly think if Baker Mayfield just stays in the game there and they get seven there out of the gate, you know, how does that kind of impact you uh, moving forward? Kyle Trask comes in and disaster quickly happens with the false start penalty and um, then they don't they have to settle for a field goal there but I, I just thought they handled it for the most part about getting a lead playing from ahead letting your pass rush have some dial-up moments there um, so you know I, I, I thought Shane kind of handled them pretty well exiting the bye week yeah I was worried about this game I said it during the week of shows that the wide receiver group that they were going to go up against scared me especially with the Colts secondary their running game was doing a lot better than I thought it was going to be, which I know we're going to get into shortly. But I was worried about this game. I had the Colts losing it, and I was very excited and very happy to see that they they came out there and they didn't wilt uh, coming out of the bye week. So yeah, it's very it, strong, especially for a Bucks team that is very much in the NFC South playoff sure. hunt. They've got sure. a lot to play for. Yeah, honestly, the team you'll see on Sunday in Tennessee is much more out of it than Tampa is when mm-hmm. you talk about what a playoff picture looks like. First thing I didn't like, Mark, was that the run defense? That was Gardner Minshew. Minshew, okay. Um, I thought he was poor again. Um, you know, unless you're scheming up the quick tempo, quick rhythm passing game, I just don't see where this passing game gets very effective at all. He obviously had the one pick. I, you know, was that miscommunication between him and Josh Downs? I, I you know, clearly, I think Minshew thought Downs should have kept on maybe running towards the out versus kind of settling in the zone. But then on the very next drive, and those were moments in the game where I thought you could have stepped on Tampa's throat. And you kind of gifted them a short field and then obviously should have been picked on the very next drive. It was the second lowest passer rating uh, for Minshew this season. Um, and, and I just still see a little bit of kind of bailing out of the pockets. And you're having to overcome him. It's been lackluster. Uh, it hasn't been even normal, Gardner Minshew either. Um, so, I think that's something that now you kind of look forward to it, Mark. Of all right, entering the bye week, could Minshew be resurrected? And I thought if he could have been resurrected, this was a team that you know could really, really push for a playoff opportunity. Well, for one game, I didn't see much resurrection at all from him. And and again, that's at home. I, I just don't see how that travels great on the road here moving forward. I know you don't play vaunted, vaunted defenses, but still, that's a question that I have now moving forward of it was kind of the same old Minshew, and how often can you continue to kind of overcome his lack of production that he's given you? There are a couple of plays he certainly makes with his legs, but you know, a day of 24 of 41 and a 66 passer rating, that to me was pretty indicative of... um, the type of day that he had. Yeah, it's disappointing because, I mean, there is just a very obvious ceiling on what he can provide the offense. And so you're seeing that while he's great for a game or two to fill in, he's you know probably one of the better backups to have in that situation. When he's in for weeks at a time and your playoff hopes are on the line with him, you just, I mean, there's just not a high ceiling here. And that's why it's so disappointing because the AFC outside of, I would say, Kansas City and Baltimore is pretty wide open. Joe Burrow's down for the Bengals. You don't really know what the Bills are doing anymore. The Chargers are a mess as usual. It's pretty much a wide open field. And it's, to not have Anthony Richardson under center and you're having to rely on Gardner Minshew, I just think that puts a very, very low ceiling on what the Colts' playoff 
aspirations can be if they are to make it. You know, it's wild to kind of look at the wild card. And, Mark, you have this in the NFC. In the NFC, you have Dallas in the wild card. Like, you usually have one to two teams in the wild card that are like, man, they're going to be a tough out mm-hmm. in that opening round. You know, they they go on the road for that opening round game. AFC, look at the three wild card teams right now. Yeah. Kenny Pickett, Dorian Thompson Robinson, and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Those are your three wild card quarterbacks. Um, it's like the four division teams I almost put on a different tier. You know, Jacksonville would be included in that. Miami, Kansas City, Baltimore um, would be in that mix there. And right now with Buffalo losing that heartbreaker last night, gosh, it is um, – yeah, it, it, it's, it's quite the playoff picture. And, and that's where, again, I think, you know, handing out praise for being 6-5 and five entering December I think is very fine. I think you could also say that with a caveat of I don't look at this team right now based off the product we've seen recently and think – yeah, that's a team capable of, you know, definitely making the playoffs slash whatever, challenging to make any sort of run. Now, again, you got six games to go. That's light years. Uh, we'll see if things change. You got the return of Gardner Minshew, Juju Brents. I don't know, is the defense play a little bit more consistent? Um, we'll see. But, again, Minshew right now, yeah, even exiting a win continues to be my, my biggest question. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you can raise a banner at Lucas Oil Stadium that you made the playoffs, but I, if you face any of those other four upper echelon AFC teams, I, I don't think it's going to go and, and again, really I, well. We're not there yet, but no. I do think even getting to that possibility, I mean, the fact that you're starting December, I mean, I'm a guy that had them win in seven. I thought I they, had six. I, you know, I thought seven. I didn't think it'd be six during the month of December, though. Uh, I thought they kind of back way there um, themselves into seven wins, so certainly. Shane Steichen exiting 2023. Um, the encouragement with him as the Colts head coach easily has got to be atop the list of things that you feel good about uh, moving forward. We talked about it a little bit, but you wanted to touch on the run defense. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely awful. Um, 6.6 a carry to the worst rushing offense in the NFL. Uh, one more game without Grover Stewart. Man, you're just you're just holding on for for dear life right now. Um, in Tampa, again, they're not known as a rushing offense at all there. So that is something that you know almost cost you. A 6.6 is a really big number, especially when there wasn't like the fluky, you know, jet sweep that goes for 38 or, you know, something that can kind of get a little skewy in that run game there. I thought Tampa was pretty consistent uh, with their run game all day long. So I think that is a concern that you would think – is mostly personnel based. Again, one more game without Gar- or without Grover Stewart, you would hope that that gets resurrected once he comes back. But that was something that I thought they could handle coming into the game, and they uh, they did not. Well, luckily, you're not playing a team on Sunday that relies on the run very much. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the Tennessee yeah. Titans mm-hmm. and Derrick Henry. Yeah, that that would be the issue there. And you know, the beauty of it is, it is Will Levis. He's looked nowhere near what he looked like in that opening start, but. Still, it's just always, Tennessee always finds a way. I know they did a really good job against Henry the first time, but for the most part, always finds a way to um, you know, run effectively against mm-hmm. Colts. They always find one. You want to get into Twitter questions? Yes, let's do them. All right, Cody says, Matt Gay and Samson Ebucom, best free agent duo signings for the Colts since? <laughs> Fill in the blank. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, honestly, Mark, my first thought is, that question, Matt Gay, Samson Epicom, as a free agent duo, the best for the Colts since fill in the blank, like you said, that to me kind of summarizes how I feel about Chris Bowden free agency. 
Yeah. Like, he has a lot of hits in free agency. It's just he doesn't use right. it to that much of a degree. Um, so I don't know if any year would would, would qualify. I, I'd have to, I don't know, think think long and hard at it, but... I mean, was yeah, he yeah. was he GM? It was twenty fifteen. Was he GM with Frank Gore and Andre no, Johnson? I Johnson got, didn't work out. Yeah, twenty seventeen would be the start. Yeah, I was going to say that seemed a bit too far. Um, you know, Xavier Rhodes obviously was an individual hit. Ebron individual hit. A guy like Rodney McLeod was an individual hit. Um, you know, there's guys. Autry was was a hit, of course, who you'll see on Sunday. So there's been those, but few boy, and far I, between. I, yeah, yeah, and, and again, to me, it just kind of sums up. Um, you know, sprinkling in a little bit more than he has used it. But certainly, Gay and uh, Abukam, you got to feel Boy, that was a great rush. That was such a great rush against Wharfs there to uh, seal that game. Yeah. Matt says, who would you rather have, Matt Ryan of last year or Minshew of this year? According to Pro Football Focus, Ryan has lower turnover-worthy plays, but also lower big-time throws and slightly lower average depth of target. What will it take to start Sam? I truly have a hard time believing he could be any worse than Minshew, and with his slightly better athleticism, he might fit Shane's offense better. At the very least, he would offer more excitement, like the game versus Houston, and we need to see if he can be the long-term backup. You know, e- even the fact that like that question is being asked is just astonishing to me. <laughs> like, and I don't. Yeah, I'm not laughing at the question. I'm laughing at the fact that 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 question is being asked, and I'm not laughing it off the podcast. Like, gosh, who, I, I think I would take Gardner. Uh, he's not turning it over as much. I know he's still definitely turning it over. Um, I do mean this in all seriousness. I think Minshew's given you a little bit more with his legs than I thought he was kind of capable of, certainly more than than Matt Ryan. I mean, I think Shane... Matt Ryan was a statue. Oh, yeah. He wasn't doing anything no, with his legs. No, looked like, you know, Rosie Bowen trying to operate <laughs> in the pocket back there. So, um, I think Shane looks at this and says, okay, I've got history with Gardner, and I feel like mentally he's got the acumen to, in some way, hit a couple of chess matches. Um, so, that is kind of where I would go with that. Um, I'm not sure if Ellinger could even hit the kind of the quick rhythm passing game with tempo that at times is there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to keep on being mentioned. You've won too many games at this point to even go to Sam barring injury, I think. Right. right you're right. too much in the playoff hunt and all that to just say, hey, you know what, we're going to go with Sam Ellinger now. And that, I, that's You're pulling a ripcord at that point, and yep. I don't think you can do it. Randall says, do you think there's room to run the ball more in the opening drives this year? It seems like we are overutilizing Minshew's arm and underutilizing the Taylor Moss legs. I know we ended up pretty balanced overall, and I understand the pass-to-win philosophy. We've also seen it go the other way, where Minshew's balls don't get dropped by defenders, and we lose by double digits. Your thoughts on offensive balance? Yeah, Randall, I think I think it's a really good question. This kind of gets back to the earlier point we were making, Mark, of you know, play to your strengths versus saying, no, 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 I know what the or I know what the opponent's going to do here. They're going to try to take away our strength, so let's counter it by a little chess match. I think you can get a little bit into the weeds with that. Now, again, the Colts were pretty effective in that first quarter-ish. But is it one of those things where if you continue to go down that path, you play with fire and eventually water finds its level and it kind of burns you? I I, I do think you felt that in the second quarter. Obviously, you had had the interception. Then you had the near pick on the second drive. Um, Yeah, I think it was eight total carries for Taylor and Moss in the first half and 26 pass attempts for Gardner. 
Um, so I do think it's a very fine balance of your trust level, playing to strengths, uh, you know, what you feel good about. Again, I'll go back to if you're going to throw it, I would like to see Taylor involved a little bit in that part of it as well, of getting him in the open field, you know, seeing if he can make a play or two. That is something that I think I'd like to see as well because he is such, I think, a special playmaker and one that I feel like, based off his running style right now, you know, DB's trying to tackle him in in space is something I would try and kind of make the defense do. It is interesting that his lack of, you know, use in the passing game, considering the way he's being paid now, is up there with McCaffrey and Kamara and guys like that that are yeah. very much involved in the passing game. He's got the talent. He's got the athleticism. I, I am surprised that they haven't gone to it. I'm also surprised that they have relied on Gardner Minshew's arm to get them out of a lot of situations this year more than... What should be the strength of the offense, and that should be the running game, and that should be the tandem of uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. It's so, a lot on Gardner's plate. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's a lot. And one thing I'll add, Mark, before we move on is, again, tempo. You know, that's something that has been such a Shane Sykin staple all year long. It made total sense to utilize that. I also think you can have tempo and run it. Like, you don't just have to have tempo and throw it. Um, I do think that's something that you can do as well if you want to keep a personnel grouping on the field for Tampa. In particular, that okay, you know, this is kind of their whatever. This is their nickel group? This is their run heavy group, et cetera, et cetera. I think when you have a, a very stout running game too, you can also control the clock as well. You can bleed the clock so your opponent doesn't have as much time to put drives together and all that. You can, you have a lot more time to control the game at your own pace with when you have a running game that you're relying on a lot more. So we'll see. Uh, this is, I guess, a group effort. JT and Tanner both. I guess do 50% of the work each on this question. <laughs> couple uh, of similar questions. So maybe. they say, can we just get talking about how Pittman has been throughout this whole year? All he's done is kept his head down and performed well every week. Why can't we just give an extension to him done midseason with his value and asking price climbing every week? I'm scared we may lose him once free agency comes around. Yeah, Honestly, I think I said this on last Wednesday's pod when you had the Shaquille Under News Come out, you know, part of me thought a little bit of the financial aspect is like, all right, um, you know, are we going to see an extension here to close out the year for Pittman? And, and I just think we have to class, we have to describe Pittman accurately. You know, everyone says well, he's not a number one. You, you don't pay him. I mean, how many true number ones are in the league? Yeah. A dozen? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's not a dozen, but he's in the top 20 or he's in the top whatever. Yeah. 22. And again, you can't skimp. At the skill positions for Anthony Richardson, a couple things I, I I like about Pittman, he's so durable. Rarely misses games. You look at the last three seasons, rarely even shows up at the injury report, um, and he plays with such physicality that it's surprising me. He just shows up. He plays hard. He works hard. He defines a lot of what you kind of want to be about as a football team as well. I think those are all very important things. And again, you're going to pay him a large amount of money. Um, that will make people really mad, that's fine. You've got money to spend. You don't spend it abundantly. And at the same time, just because you spend a lot there doesn't necessarily mean that you should be done at that position either. Honestly, it it shouldn't mean that. Like, if I had to envision or paint a picture of the Colts whiteout core, you know, whatever, three years in advance, Mark, I look at it in some way of a Pittman, a Downs, and then some sort of wideout splash. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that wideout splash comes via trade. We'll see about free agency, but that's kind of how I view that group. You know, Alec Pierce, you continue to see what you have with Richardson. You know, does a deep ball thrower help out Pierce 
a little bit more. Um, but if you're going to kind of you know give me a little genie uh, magic eight ball, if you will, and say, all right, what's it going to look like here three or four years down the road? That's what I see. Yeah, I think people's jaws will hit the floor when they first see the Michael Pittman extension oh, without number question. comes out. But that's yeah. the same that happened with Christian Kirk when they he signed with the Jaguars, and right. that's turned out pretty well. So that's just the way the position is going right now. And I think you're just going to have to you – know, it's not your money, so you're just going to have to swallow it and be like, okay, he's going to be this amount of player, and, and that's how it goes. But you need skill position players for Anthony Richardson to grow in, and I think Michael Pittman is a hell of a start And again, that. two things. Like, you cannot – shortcut skill positions for Anthony Richardson. I mean, that to me stands out. And it's not like that money is being allocated somewhere more significantly. Um, I mean, hell, we watched Mike Evans yesterday. I'm thinking, does Mike Evans have a year or two left in the tank? Like, he looked pretty darn good to me. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a free agent as well. I, I, I tend to think you go a little bit younger there. But, um, yeah, I, putting some sort of contract extension in front of Pittman is something that I would do. Yes, I would. Chris says, on that second down play, why did Minshew run backwards when he could have ran forward for positive yards? This is why I call him Wentz 2.0, because there's that's something Wentz would have done under pressure. God, there are some wild moments with Minshew, isn't there? Yeah, he looked literally behind him. And then, like, I was talking to George Brimmer at halftime about it. George was like, it looked like he was trying to go and one, you know, with the guy, like, going in for the layup, and then he just, like, purposely, <laughs> like, runs into contact to try and get the foul called on him. Yeah, I don't know what the hell he was doing. I, I cannot explain that whatsoever. Again, I think you exit yesterday feeling no better about Gardner Minshew than you walked into the bye week. I would tend to agree. There's no plenty. We're we, we among the uh, crowd at Lucas Oil Stadium. And there's plenty of chatter around us. What is he doing? What the hell was that? Where was that throw going? The, the, you know, people are not sold on Gardner Minshew yet. How about this? Uh, nor just, should they be. Just seeing this, uh, the Colts are going to get Matt Ryan on the call coming up on no. uh, on Sunday. You should try to reach out to. Uh, I will. I will reach out, and I would love to play the "We Have Matt Ryan" sound at some point if, we, if we are able to CBS secure that uh, broadcast crew. So that's that's a big booth, right? Tiki Barber's in that booth. Yeah, as there's well, like right? ten people in that booth. Yeah, okay. It's a busy Andrew one. Catalan, Tiki Barber, Matt Ross, and AJ Ross on the sideline. Matt Ryan and AJ Ross on the sidelines there. Interesting. Yeah, how about that? Kit says, "Do we even have any tight ends anymore?" That's a great question. <laughs> what well, Mallory had those back-to-back grabs, right? Um, yeah, it, it, it's a and obviously Mo Alley Cox had the big play on the fourth and inches. One thing I do want to add on that Mo Alley Cox play, you know, Tom Manning, the the the, the tight ends coach, comes to Shane Steichen earlier in the week and tells him, you know, hey, this is something short yardage that I think we should run. What are your thoughts? You know, that's just a part of being a good head coach. Shane Steichen doesn't have really any ties to Tom Manning. Knows that Tom Manning is college OC for Brock Purdy at Iowa State. Um, but he's open-minded as a head coach, as a play caller, as the most important offensive mind that, hey, let's be open-minded to our assistants. Let's utilize something that makes sense. They debated who to put at fullback. You know, if you put Mallory at fullback, or I I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like some other tight end there, um, they're thinking, hey, that guy can leak in the flat. You know, we need, you know, one DB or one, you know, linebacker potentially and responsibility there. You you put a linebacker in there, and you're probably saying to the defense, hey, we're going to load it up and run it right at you. So I thought that was another part of that play that made it a whole lot of sense there. But, yeah, tight ends continue to be, you know, pretty much a non-factor. I'd love to see a little bit more Drew Ogletree, but that foot injury has caused him to miss more and more time. The last one was from Yim. 
If the Colts end up with a sub-500 record and a top-10 draft pick, what do you believe is the best course of action? A, take the best cornerback available to help the room. B, take a weapon for Richardson, Brock Bowers, or the best wide receiver available, assuming Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone. C, take an impact player on defense like Jared Verse, depending on your answer. From there, what position should the second-round pick be? Thanks, and sorry for the long question. You know, I'm thinking about this. It's such a great point. Like, I can't believe Carolina's held on to Scott Fitter as their, as their GM for, for so long. Sorry that I'm going off on a little random Frank Reich thing. This Frank Reich news is kind of breaking as the podcast has recorded here. Like, I, someone was mentioning to me that David Tepper owns the Carolina MLS team. Yes. And they're already, they've been in existence for two years, and they're on their third head coach. And yeah, they made I, the playoffs, by I the think way. he owns so a they're hockey. They're an expansion MLS team, already on their third head coach, and that includes the making of the playoffs. I think he owns a hockey team, too, and they fired their coach as well. I could be mistaken, but like they're, everybody ahead of time, like a month ago, was like, oh, Frank Reich better watch out. Like when I heard CJ Stratt at the Combine say ball placement specialist, and then that that trade happened a few weeks later with your Bears, I'm thinking to myself, all right, that, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Just like, was Bryce Young really forced upon him? I don't know. Tepper seems nuts. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, and good luck trying to sell that job to anybody who has any options on the table. Yeah, yeah. You have to like Bryce Young. You have to deal with an owner that's right. very fire-friendly. I, I, I know it's one of 32. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, to Yim's question, draft-related, I would not put cornerback on the same tier as wideout and, again, edge rush. Um, like, I, I want to see Juju Brett. God, you, you, you want to see him get healthy here. Um you know, want to see a little bit more of Jalen Jones. I know it hasn't been perfect with them, but still. If Dallas Flowers coming off the torn Achilles, I, I, obviously it's hard to kind of guarantee or feel uber confident about. Obviously, you re-sign Kenny Moore, in my mind. You don't really have another nickel, another slot option. But if I'm going to tear it out, I would probably still go edge rush, then pass catcher wide out, and then probably corner after that. That's... That's where I would go um, if you're looking kind of an A, a B, and a C. And a lot of this has to do with, I think, depth, draft depth, which, you know, I know we had Dane Brigler on earlier, and, you know, he, he kind of mentioned how, you know, wideout doesn't have or has, you know, more of that than edge rush when you look at kind of the middle of round one. But, hell, man, I mean, the Colts could be playing themselves back into what? I'm trying to think of the early 20 picks they've had. Quiddy Pay and Bjorn Werner territory. Maybe I'm missing a couple of early early 20s picks they've had over the last couple of years. So we'll see how the rest of the season plays out and exactly where they fall in the draft. I think I think we'll be more worried about possible playoffs than we will top 10 draft picks. I think we're getting close to kissing that goodbye with just how the way, with how the way some of these other teams are playing right now. Mock drafts to the back burner mm-hmm. right now for the 6-5 and five Colts. And Which is it, a nice change of pace, to it, be quite it, honest. It is. And again, the, 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 this gets into the debate of you know, when you're a fan and you had the ugliness of last year, the feel-good nature of watching your football team wins is so refreshing, and, and it is great. And there's an element that I think it's hard, Mark, to pinpoint, like, how much does this mean for your culture moving forward? Like, that's such a, you know, difficult thing. Like, did Andrew Luck and the Colts go in 11-5 and five in 2012? Did that all of a sudden mean, boom, you're going to have all this great success in the Luck era? Or did a bad 2013 draft after that set up the domino effect for you know, not an era that had kind of this linear line of, you know, great, great success moving forward there. So 
nonetheless, um, I think you have to be highly, highly encouraged by what Shane Steichen has shown so far this season. And as long as you continue to stack that cupboard moving forward, um, I think there's a lot to like about what you have with Shane Steichen and company. All right, Mark, I appreciate it, man. No problem. My pleasure. It was fun. Shaq Leonard, Cowboys? Is that he's visiting the Cowboys? Yeah, that's the rumor. Apparently, Jerry Jones had mentioned that he'd be Eagles interested are to see that. But involved. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I think I'm in the boat with you, where oh, I'd almost let him I sit out the rest of the season because if you sign with a contender, they're going to see the name, they're going to see the words "All Pro" attached to him, and they're going to expect that version of Shaq Leonard. And you and I mentioned it in training camp on the sidelines, watching his leg did not look right. He totally hasn't different. looked right all season. And I, I'm with you. I think he needs to sit out, rehabilitate, get as 100% as he can possibly get at this point and try again in 2024 because this might be a one-shot thing. And, you know, like you said, more film will be out there and it won't be good film probably. And then that could be an even bigger deterrent for teams wanting to sign him, you know, in the offseason. Yeah. Worries me a little bit about mm-hmm. rushing into something, especially when a team's not going to have a very long leash on you or not be as open-minded to maybe what your past history or resume showed like it did here in Indy. Mark, thanks, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank he, you. He is Mark Dykton. I'm Kevin Bowen. We're signing off. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to preview Colts and Titans. Six and five Colts.